Final hour to get right. We're Reggie KG on 105. Through the fan, Kevin Gray with the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. My man, Justin Honore, holding it down for you here on your Turn It On, Leave It On station, 105. Through the fan, appreciate you joining us on Odyssey mm-hmm. and the Odyssey app, the truckrate.com text line, 877-881-1053, 877-881-1053. If you want to get in on the conversation live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam. Also on YouTube at 105 Through the Fan on YouTube. Reginald Attitude will be back tomorrow with me hanging out after uh, the Rangers have their first game of the season. We'll be on from 7 to 11 once the GBAC Nation concludes at the end of the Rangers game itself. Looking forward to seeing Jacob DeGrom taking the mound for the very hey. first time with the Texas Rangers tomorrow. Don't forget to tune in uh, starting tomorrow morning at 5.30 a.m. with Sean and RJ. They will have Jared Sandler, our Texas Rangers insider, in studio uh, during the 7 o'clock hour. Then from 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., the KNC Masterpiece will be live at Globe Life Field in center field, getting you ready for all Mm, of the mm, pageantry mm, and the festivities mm. of opening day for your Texas Rangers Major League Baseball 2023 is, is here and upon us. And, of course, we are your home of Texas Rangers baseball all season long right here on 105.3 The Fan. At Kevin Gray Sports, at Mr. Chris Arnold on Twitter. We're going to get you caught up with some of the headlines here before we get into some other thoughts. Let's do that. Uh, on this Wednesday night. MFFLs, we are here at the end game. <sighs> the end game is near. That is because the Mavericks fall 116 to 108 on the road to the Philadelphia 76ers, which means the Mavericks are now three games under 500 with five games left in the season as they get ready to head to Miami on Saturday as they continue their five game road trip. It was not enough from Luka Doncic or Kyrie Irving on this night. Tim Hardaway Jr. poured in five three-pointers, having 21 points. Kyrie Irving had 23. Luka had 24, just on 9 of 20 from the field, though, as the Mavericks only score 17 points in the fourth quarter. That's what did them in. as Joel in the gas. They they had the lead for three quarters. And again, they weren't. It wasn't like they choked away a huge lead, and Philadelphia came storming back. This was an even game back and forth, but most of this, most of the game, the Mavericks were winning the score. And in the fourth quarter, they just started missing. And when I saw Kyrie missing those threes, I was like, "This is the quarter Kyrie usually is, you know, more dominant. He's Lucas dominant the first half. He's dominant in the fourth quarter." Kyrie was missing a lot of shots in the fourth quarter. Now, I'm not blaming him at all. I'm just saying I can say, oh, man. And Tim Hardaway was making his shots. I was like, oh, man. Even the rookie, Jaden Hardy, eight points. But guess what? Tyrese Maxey from South Garland, 22 points. Joel Embiid, 25 points, nine rebounds. James Harden, 15 points. Uh, Tobias Harris, that's Boban's best friend. He had 13 points. And uh, Melton had 17 it was just the Sixers were at home, and they did what they with the Sixers. That was their 50th win of the season. So the Mavericks, it's one thing that the Mavericks lost this game. And remember I was saying they've got to go four and two these last six games. Now they got to go uh, four out of five. They got to go four. They still got to win four out of five games. But here's what, what did them in. It wasn't just that score. Tell them what else happened. 
How about that Detroit game? Yeah, because the Oklahoma City Thunder, Justin, got a win at the buzzer. Oh, it's coming. On the fan. Stand by. The gators gators are circling around. That means Wi-Fi issues happen sometime in that pimp cup. Justin handling up. But, yes, this has not been the Maverick fans' night. The MFFLs, no, no, it ain't been your night, especially with that game. And there's a couple other more games that happened as well to make you go, oh, no, please, that's not what happened. And it did. It is what happened. By the way, shout out to Zero who's listening to the program. Oh, he laughed. Um, Of course, he does his fine work with Bally Sports these days. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Jason Kidd never spoke after the game tonight. Never spoke or took an hour like he did the uh, the last time they lost? Apparently, he never made it to the podium. The, the uh, broadcast, the television broadcast, mm-hmm. waited and waited and waited. He didn't make it to the podium before they wrapped up their broadcast. I'm going to say this again. I think the coaches are required to speak to the media. Yeah. I know and yeah. when they lost to Charlotte, in Charlotte, it took him about an hour because they had a team meeting. Yeah. So I'm not – it might – Valley might have turned sure, off. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to speak, but, yeah, he didn't. That's what I'm saying. Because normally he's able to speak before the end sure. of the, the broadcast. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't happen again tonight. Yeah. Here is how Detroit. The, the Yeah, how the Thunder got it done at the buzzer tonight. Ball tapped over to Giddy. He's going to get it on the baseline. Has to move quickly. Giddy spins. Shot off the rim. Put back by j as he delivers. And Detroit has no timeout. That's game time, folks. Jalen Williams put back with .5 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Gives the Thunder the Mm -hmm. win Mm -hmm. as they beat the Detroit Pistons at basically the buzzer. They get the win 107-106. Kevin, well, why is that important? That is because now the Oklahoma City Thunder effectively have a two-game lead on the Mavericks for the final playing spot. That is because the Thunder own the season uh, tiebreaker over the Mavericks. And the Mavericks now have one more loss than the Thunder. Yeah. In fact, the loss that's going to haunt them. If oh, Oklahoma boy. City, it, was, yeah. it was like in November. The Mavericks were up like maybe by they were 17. They by 16. And it was like four the minutes left. biggest comeback or the biggest meltdown however you want to look at it in the NBA history of like that late in the game yep it was like you gotta be kidding me and it turned out to be a trend for the rest of the season where the Mavericks have lost the most incredible ways in fact tonight was the 13th game that the Mavericks have lost this season Mm. when leading by double digits in a game see that's painful that is painful So that kind of gives you an update on what's happening in the West, just to run it down for you based on the up-to-date standings right now. Seeds 7 through 10, Minnesota 39 and 37. They are right now taking on the Phoenix Suns as they welcome back Kevin Durant Mm. for the Suns as they look to make their push for the final portion of the regular season. Right now it is 51-48 at halftime between the Timberwolves and the Phoenix Suns. The Timberwolves up by three at the half. Meanwhile, the Los Angeles Lakers beat the brakes off of the Chicago Bulls 121 to 110. They move now on the season to 38 and 38. They are the uh, the 8 seed right now at 500. The New Orleans Pelicans are also at 500 at 38 and 38. They're hoping 
to get Zion Williamson back here mm-hmm. fairly soon before the end of the regular season, which would be huge for them as they continue to try and secure uh, a playing spot. And then, as we mentioned, the Oklahoma City Thunder effectively a two-game lead because they held the season tiebreaker over the Mavericks, yep. and they are now 38-39. and 39. The Mavericks 37-40. and 40 on the season now the the los angeles lakers the mavericks have the tiebreaker over them the mavericks needed and they still it's not over they still need to go four and two these last six games actually um four and one now these last five games if the lakers go four and two they've already gone i'm sorry they won this game tonight right yeah they won the night yes official They've got to. They've got to lose. I'm sorry. They've got to go three and three. My bad. Yeah, the Mavericks they had to be are, four and three. Some kind of way, and the Mavericks go four and two. Yeah, the Mavericks are a game and a half behind the Lakers and the Pelicans for the eighth and ninth spots. Um, and of course, they're a full game now behind the Thunder. As I mentioned again, effectively a two game lead because they hold the season tiebreaker over them. Mm-hmm. They're actually now tied in the loss column with the Utah Jazz because that's because the Jazz got to win tonight. Uh, they beat the brakes off the San Antonio Spurs on the road, 128 to 117. So the Mavericks are actually tied in the loss column now with the Jazz. Mavericks 37 and 40, Jazz 36 and 40 on the season, just a half game back of the Mavericks for 11th in the West. Mm. The conversation today is Wednesday. The conversation over the next couple of days as the. Um, Mavericks get ready to get back on the floor as you look at their schedule real quick just to lay that out for you. The Mavericks get back on the floor on Saturday. Against the Miami Heat. Against the Miami Heat. So they're going to have a couple of days off between now and Saturday. The conversation around here in these parts for the next couple of days will be whether or not to shut down Luca and Kyrie. <laughs> and there you go on that that chaos. You you want to say, okay, are they a team that's lottery bound? Or are they a team that's got a chance for the play in or the playoff? I'm I'm gonna say that I'm gonna go on record as saying this. If the Mavericks lose on Saturday to Miami, mm-hmm. it's it's officially time to wave the white flag and shut it down. I'm gonna tell you and, why it's not, real quick. They have to go four and two the last six games now they got to go four and one if they lose to Miami then they just have to sweep it if they lose three then you can say that they've only lost two going into say they lose to Miami that means they Mm -hmm. will have lost in their last let's see one two three four five six seven games if they lose to Miami that means they would have lost six of their last seven with their only win coming against the G League Indiana Pacers and at that point, you are 37, or excuse me, yeah, you'll be 37 and 41 on the season. Which means you would have to, yeah, you'd have to win your final four games of the season That's just what to, I finish, said. to finish at 500. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And to be 41 and 41. I've been saying it all show. And that's the math. Again, yeah, we yeah. don't have to, we can talk about emotionally, we can talk about mentally. If they don't go four and two, they're not going anywhere. But if they go four and zero oh to win out, I don't know if their emotions are going to be like. We already know they're not a complete team. They don't have a defensive. They don't have anybody on defense. They really don't. And I compared it earlier this year, or earlier this show, to the Texas Rangers. 
for those who missed that comment, here's the math on that comment. When they traded for Kyrie, they handled up on the rest of the offense. You got generational talent at your at your guard spots, right? Everybody's agreeing on that. It's kind of like the Texas Rangers last year taking care of their offense with Seager and Simeon. But the Rangers lost in June and July so many one-point games. One, I mean, one-run games. It was insane, just like what the Mavericks are going through. And what did they do in the offseason? They addressed their defense by getting all this pitching. They arguably got the best pitcher in the game with DeGrom. I'm not saying that the Mavericks are going to do the same thing this summer, but they have the opportunity to, which means they know they got to address their defense. Like the Rangers do, we got our offense, we got the bats, we got to do something about our defense, we got to do something about the pitching. So I'm going to give you any kind of hope, and I called it that. I said I want to give you some hope. Here's a cup of hope. The Mavericks know what they need to do. There was nobody saying when they traded for Kyrie, oh, now we're going to the finals. Nobody said that. They said, watch them grow together. What they were trying to do was at least stay afloat and stay in the playoff hunt to make it kind of interesting this year. But they knew what they had to do this summer, which is address the defense. So if everybody's mad right now, like I said, look what they do this summer, just like the, the Rangers. The Rangers did something in the offseason to address what they needed to do, their defense, pitching. The Mavericks, address your defense. And if you're mad about what they don't do this summer, then you got a reason to be mad. It's going to be one hell of an offseason. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, if, if I had, if I was, you know, running things, by the way, Kyrie Irving talking after tonight's game, <laughs> this is quote of the year <laughs> right <Okay>. now. <laughs> Kyrie Irving on the Mavs playoff outlook. It kind of looks like a little bit of a cluster bleep right now. <laughs> He's talking about the West. In <laughs> quote, yes. He's just telling the facts because what do I say? You can blame the West for playing with your emotions. If the Western Conference teams were more dominant instead of playing with their food the last month, you could say the Mavericks season is over. But you can't even say that right now. And like Kyrie just said, because you can take things out of context, and I'm going to give it the context. He's talking about the West, and nobody – who's listening to this show or in this room can say, well, here are the matchups. You can't predict this thing. It's a cluster F, like he said. <laughs> oh, boy. It's going to be uh, a lot to talk about over the next couple of days. Again, the Mavericks don't get back on the floor until Saturday when they take on the Miami Heat on the road. What happens in that game is going to be... Dun, dun, dun. I'm <laughs> telling you... It's not the Miami game. If they lose the Miami game, they have to win out. The next loss, then you can say, yeah. Yeah, the next loss. After the Miami game. No, no, no. Uh, That's what you're saying. I'm saying, for me personally, Mm -hmm. they lose to Miami. Yeah, it's time to wave the white flag and shut it down. It's time. Um, Luca also talking after the game. And, of course, Luca, hyper-competitive, as he always is. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, saying after the game with respect to uh, this coming from Callie Kaplan, Luka Doncic after the Mavericks lost to the Sixers, quote, and again, I would expect nothing less from Luka, quote, we still have chances, so we shouldn't give up yet, end quote. Coming up next here on the Get Rights for Reggie KG on 105 through the fan, it's time for another Hall of Fame edition of CA Stories Confidential. Where are we going with that, sir? Surprise, next on 105 through the fan. 
Back here on the Get Right, Reggie KG on 105 through the fan. Kevin Gray with the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. Justin Honore holding it down for you here on your Turn It On, Leave It On Station. Really appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. We're going to have a little CA Stories Confidential here coming up here in just a moment. <laughs> from the chartrate.com text line 877-811053 from the 940. Love when people order DoorDash from Outback Steakhouse and put the wrong address on it. Three ribeyes, ribs, and shrimp going home with me tonight. <laughs> wow. Mm, mm, mm. Somebody's not going to be happy that their uh, outback didn't make it to the house because it's a little late to be ordering food, like on the DoorDash app, mm-hmm. and to not get that food at this time of night. Yikes. Well, I guess I hope you enjoy that. Um, people, by the way, people weighing in on their thoughts on what the Mavericks need to do for the rest <laughs> of the season. You uh, know, people are emotional. I understand. They got to vent. It's just been really frustrating. It I is. Think that, I think that's, that's the fact. I think that's the word for people that have watched the season. And it's funny because, you know, before we get to CA stories real quick, we, Reg mm-hmm. and I, we've talked about this plenty, is that, you know, especially in the NBA, success is not always linear. Right. And the Mavericks are finding out the hardest way uh, that that is the case at times. And while, yes, they have a superstar at 24 years of age who's going to be most likely first team all NBA again uh, for what, the fourth year year in a row, row, Mm -hmm. averaging, you know, nearly 33 points per game. (laughs) The the crazy thing about Luka is that he's had, by the numbers, an incredible season. Yeah. But when you watch the games themselves, this has been one hell of a difficult year for him. Mm-hmm. The injuries, obviously the losing, the, you know, moving on from, you know, Jalen Brunson and Dorian Finney-Smith and Boban and then, you know, the Kyrie Irving trade, trying to make that work on the fly post-All-Star break. And whatever else might be going, going on, on in his personal, his personal life. life. It's just. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again. If the Mavericks miss the playoffs, it might not be such a bad thing for that young man because he's basically played basketball. Whole year. Remember, he was playing Euro Euro basket. It's really been for three years straight, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. You think all the way back to the bubble Mm -hmm. in August, you know, or whenever they resumed, July of 2020. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the compressed schedule from the end of that season and into the very next season as the NBA tried to get itself back on schedule. And then you think about the run they made last year all the way to the West Final. And then basically taking about a week and a half off. Then getting back to practice, playing for Team Slovenia, and then playing in Eurobasket. And then playing basketball all the way up until basically training camp. And then the regular season. And then, like, it's been basically three years straight of basketball for Luka. He's exhausted. He's exhausted. Um, but Mavericks still got uh, five games left to play in the rest of the regular season before it's all said and done. Right now, though, it's time for CA Stories Confidential with the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Let's give you a couple of NBA and NFL stuff. I mean, tomorrow's opening day, and it's, I've, I've talked about opening days before. I mean, I've covered the Rangers since 1980, so I've seen a bunch of opening days. And I even did a story for Channel 8 back in the day when the Rangers left Arlington Stadium 
and they were building the ballpark in Arlington before it was called Globe Life Park. They were building it, and it was right over the horizon. That was one of the they the last story at Arlington Stadium. That was pretty cool. So that's opening day tomorrow, Globe Life Field. Looking for the excitement of the season. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about basketball because the you know Mavericks are playing tonight, and we're all talking about the draft a lot. And back in the day. I actually pulled off. Some, I always loved the challenge. K104 let me cover so many things. And a lot of it was, if you can cover it, let's see you do it. See if you can pull it off. Can you do it? Can you pull it off? Well, I was all ready to cover my first NFL draft. I've covered NFL drafts from Cowboys headquarters over the years. I mean, back in the day, the Cowboys actually were located. Their headquarters was off a of Central Expressway in the same building they had the Playboy Club. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Right off of Mockingbird. Yeah, there was a building there. The the bunnies there. The bunnies were serving cocktails, and Tom Landry was upstairs. That was crazy to think about. Well, they had the draft. This is before they were out in Valley Ranch. They had draft headquarters downstairs and covered the Cowboys draft from there, and then Valley Ranch. Well, back in the 80s, I said, oh, you know what? I want to cover the draft in New York City Radio Radio City Music Hall because that's where they would have it. And K-104 said, if you can pull it off, go for it. Now, nowadays, the draft could be anywhere. You know, they move it around. But back in the day, it was, that's why all those Jets fans are like, Jets, Jets, Jets. And they were like, obnoxious, and that was the thing. So I said, let me cover this draft. And I got my credential, and I got my airline set and all that. And lo and behold, the Mavericks are playing in the playoffs. And their playoff series extended. And this big game was going to be in Seattle. Now I'm covering all the Maverick games too. And they're like, what are you going to do? Are you going to do the draft in New York? Are you going to Seattle for the Mavericks versus the Sonics? Now both of them were huge. And I said, I'm going to do both. I swear to God, I started in New York City the night before. Mm-hmm. And I covered a draft. The number one pick was a quarterback named Vinny Testaverde. The Cowboys drafted a backup tight. No, they packed. They back, they picked a a guy that was playing for Nebraska, a defensive lineman, I believe, Danny Noonan. I want to say it was him, or as a backup tight end, something like that. One of those two guys. Soon as the draft was made, draft pick was made for the Cowboys. I interviewed. Different people who were there. I want to say the Cowboys draft pick was there, and I interviewed him. I can't remember. This was back in the 80s. And then I jumped on a plane. This is 1987. Yeah. Who did it say was the Cowboys draft pick? I'm going to look it up and see here. Number, like number 17 or something. At number 12, it number was 12? Danny Noonan. Defensive, see, my, my memory's not always shot. Defensive tackle from Nebraska. There it is. So anyway, <laughs> they drafted him. I interviewed him. Interviewed Vinny Testaverde. And then I jumped on a plane that had connecting flight in Chicago. The weather was great in Chicago. I made my connection. Anybody that's connecting flights, y'all know that's the scariest part to try to make sure you connect. The weather doesn't do you in. The plane lands in Seattle one hour before tip-off. I make my way over there to the building. I got my press credential. I got my seat. I'm about to sit down, and the different beat writers are saying, and different TV guys that covered it, they were like, hey, because I was like one of the few radio people that covered it from Dallas. Hey, where you been? You missed the shoot around. Where were you last night hanging out? 
I said, I was in New York covering the draft. Yeah, right. I pulled out my credential and played my tape. And I made it. And I went, yes, because I like to accomplish stuff. By the way, that 1987 NFL draft class was loaded. Name the names. That's why I went to New York. It was going to be loaded. Name some of those names. Or I'm sorry, the that 1987 year was crazy. The AP Offensive Player of the Year that year was Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. The Defensive Player of the Year that year was Reggie White. Mm-hmm. And the NFL's MVP was John Elway. What a year. In 1987. What a year. That's crazy. So anyway, anyway. That's one little story, but I was thinking about Seattle as well. You know who Seattle is nowadays, right? The Sonics don't exist anymore. You know who they are? Oklahoma City Thunder. That's right. You know. I'm uh, not trying to hear about them right now. Well, <laughs> I'm only bringing that up because the Memphis Grizzlies weren't always in Memphis. Do you remember where they used to be? Vancouver. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about this as well. In NCAA tournaments going on this weekend, the Final Four is coming up after the women's tournament here in the Final Four is going to be in Houston. And I remember back in the day, I'm doing the Mavericks. Uh, Fox Sports Southwest did that for eight years, did a home and road games. Uh, courtside reporter for them. Uh, what Skinway does, my boy, Skinway does, but he's just doing home games and, and, and select road games. I was doing all of them. Well, back in the day, we're in Seattle, and I'm bringing up the Final Four because Kansas coach Bill Self missed some games, right? He missed all these NCAA games. Why? He had to have a stint in his heart. We're in Seattle, and the Fox Sports Southwest broadcast crew is me, Bob Ortigal, Coach Ortigal, and Jim Durham. Jim Durham was a play-by-play guy. Mark Followell wasn't even doing the radio yet. Well, guess what? Jim Durham, his heart started bothering him. They had to put a stint in. Our next game was against the Grizzlies. No, not in Memphis. In Vancouver. And that's where your boy here made his one and only TV NBA play-by-play debut. I filled in for the great Jim Jim Durham, me and Bob Ortigal. Bob Ortigal still in his spot as the color analyst. And I did the play-by-play for the Mavericks versus the Grizzlies. Nash, (laughs) Dirk, and Finley. Back in the day. And then the Grizzlies moved to Memphis. And the Sonics moved to Oklahoma City. And the biggest, boy, I tell you, they did that city wrong, moving that team to Oklahoma City. Kevin Durant was in Seattle at the time. He was a rookie from the University of Texas where he was college basketball player of the year. Oh, yeah, he had a Seattle uniform. And the guy that bought the Sonics was a homegrown guy who started Starbucks. And everybody's like all happy because he saved the team. And then lo and behold, he sold them to a wildcatter in Oklahoma City. And everybody see, I was like, don't sell them because that wildcatter is going to move the team. And the wildcatter said, I'm not moving the team. And then a year later, I'm going to move the team if you don't build an arena. They voted. They didn't build the arena. And he moved them to Oklahoma City. Mm. So anyway. Should have built the arena. Should <laughs> No, they were never gonna do that. <laughs> no, they were never gonna do that. It, that was the loophole. He knew and he knew they weren't gonna do that. And guess why? Guess why he, he bought the team? Because of Chris Paul. Did you know that? Oh no. This is this is this is interesting, Justin. Chris Paul 
created the Oklahoma City Thunder. I swear to God, what caused the move to happen. Hurry. When Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, oh. the New Orleans Hornets moved up to Oklahoma City. They played in Oklahoma City, that's right. Chris Paul was Rookie of the Year that year. He put on a show. Tyson Chandler, the Maverick Center, he was with New Orleans back then. They turned Oklahoma City out. Those games were sold out. And the owner of the Hornets told David Stern, said, I'm just going to leave the team up here because nobody in New Orleans is showing up. And David Stern said, no, you're not. It will be the biggest public relations disaster nightmare of the NBA in history. We cannot let you do this. But I'm selling out in Oklahoma. I can't get anybody to show up in New Orleans. He said, you ain't going to do it. So David Stern helped convince the guy in Oklahoma, yeah, we worked this thing out. And lo and behold, he bought, and everybody in Seattle, they hate Starbucks now. <laughs> because <laughs> the guy was supposed to keep it. And the guy, he tricked me. Yeah, right. You just went for the money. <laughs> so, yeah, and then, the, like I said, the Hornets went back to New Orleans, and then the guy wound up selling the team to the owner of the Saints, who wind up selling the team, or, yeah, the Saints, the former, he passed away, the Saints owner passed away, family of the Saints, now own the Hornets. The Benson family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they call them the Pelicans now. Yeah, I forgot about the whole Oklahoma City thing with the Hornets. It was Chris Paul, going. seriously. Yeah. If Chris Paul no, had showed now, yeah. out, yeah, Oklahoma City fans wouldn't have showed up for them games, but, shoot, they had a real team. Yeah, like, Wait they, a minute. They proved that this they team's good. Hold the fan base there. Mm-hmm. By the way, to put a wrap on uh, the uh, CA stories for this edition, mm-hmm. so you were at the 1987 draft, right? And, you know, Vinny Testaverde and the Cowboys had the number 12 overall pick. Yeah, Vinny Testaverde number one and Danny Noonan number 12. Here's how time is a flat circle. The 1987 season, mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys had an assistant offensive line coach by the name of Mike Solari. Guess who is the current? Offensive line coach for the Dallas Cowboys in 2023. Who? That's right. Mike Solari. Oh, my God. Wow. Here's what's even crazier. The defensive coordinator on that staff in back in 1987, the defensive backs coach, excuse me, back in 1987. Yeah. Dick Nolan. Yes, and Dick Nolan's son was the Cowboys defensive coordinator before they got Dan Quinn. Mike, Mike Nolan. Nolan. Oh, yeah, I knew that much. Nepotism it, runs. It's a good old boy's world, ain't it? Right. <laughs> if you got the hookup, <laughs> you already know who the uh, assistant offensive coordinator is for the Cowboys. Mike With Mike McCarthy, who he hired. Schottenheimer. Yeah, he's an offensive coordinator, yeah. That's the son of Marty Schottenheimer. Late Marty Schottenheimer. Who hired Mike McCarthy with his first NFL job. Gave Mike McCarthy his first NFL they job. They all know each other. In Kansas City. You they know, all know each other. You know who else was on that staff? There's some. Go back and find those staffs mm-hmm. under Marty Schottenheimer and the, the coaching tree that he has. Yes, You know buddy. who else was on that staff at the time? Andy Reid? No. Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy. Was also yeah. a part of that staff way back when. Um, I know, isn't that crazy? 214. Yeah, 214, we see. That's crazy, KJ. I, my, my mouth just dropped when you said this. <laughs> Dude's Last note. Back. 
That's crazy. Last night on this, the um, one of the other assistant coaches on that staff in 1987 was Paul Hackett. Who went to the Kansas City Chiefs. He was another person who used to be on the Kansas City Chiefs staff. It was so funny. When he got hired, Tex Ram hired him. Landry didn't hire him. Tex Ram hired him. Tex Ram was like, you're trying to replace me with Paul Hackett. I swear to God, everybody kept thinking, Landry's going to retire and they're going to give it to Paul Hackett. And, of course, Paul Hackett's son is who? Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. That's yeah. Nathaniel Hackett? That's Nathaniel Hackett's father. See? This who, is so crazy. Remember his claim to fame? Who did Nathaniel Hackett be the offensive coordinator for? Green Bay Packers or Brett Favre? I mean, uh, with uh, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. With Aaron Rodgers. And he's now in New York, and that's where Aaron Rodgers is headed. You see how you could do six degrees this is of a movie. all this? This is, a, this is a movie. Like I could keep going. This is a movie. But we got, uh, you know, 20 minutes left in the show. But, yeah, that's that's the NFL. This is insane. In a, in a nutshell in right a there. In a nutshell. It's the final call Woo. next on the Get Right. Final time here on the Get Right. We're Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. Don't forget, tomorrow, opening day for your Texas Rangers at 3.05 p.m. here on 105 through the fan. Jacob DeGrom takes the mound for your Texas Rangers, opposed by Aaron Nola of the Philadelphia Phillies, the reigning NL champions. Looking forward to that. The KNC Masterpiece will be live in center field beginning at 10 a.m. tomorrow, going from 10 a.m. to 2.30 with pregame beginning at 2.30. First pitch at 3.05 right here on 105 through the fan. Kevin Gray with the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold. Got you down. Justin Honore holding it down for you here. Appreciate you joining us uh, for our four hours tonight here on the Get Right. If you missed anything during our four-hour show, hit the rewind button on the Odyssey app, or you can check out the Get Right podcast page uh, on 105throughthefan.com. You can listen to any episode anytime on demand for our show. Also, appreciate you joining us on Twitch. And on YouTube as well. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on YouTube uh, while you are there. It's the final call here on this Wednesday night uh, programming note. Reg Atatula will be back with me uh, tomorrow from 7 to 11 after we uh, take over for the GBAC Nation after the Rangers play against the Phillies. Tim Cato of The Athletic going to be joining us tomorrow. Nice. uh, Talking all things Dallas Mavericks as they continue their five-game road trip. Um, when they take on Miami on Saturday. So Reg will be back. Tim Cato, the athletic, going to be joining us as well. <laughs> we were talking uh, after CA Stories Confidential about, you know, some of the uh, six degrees that you can do with NFL coaches. Because I It's so come, ra- odd and rare. Yeah, coming across the 1987 staff of the Dallas Cowboys, as Chris was describing how he covered, you know, the draft. 87 NFL draft. Yeah, and... The Cowboys staff that year comprised of a man by the name of Mike Solari, who was the offensive line coach at the time. Assistant line coach. Yeah, assistant offensive line coach. And now is back in 2023. Right now. As the current offensive line coach. That's crazy. He Um, must have been like 20-something years old as an assistant. um, And, of course, also on that staff was Dick Nolan, father of Mike Mike Nolan. Nolan. Who used to work for Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. Before Dan Quinn came along. Yeah. Also, Paul Hackett 
was on that squad. And, of course, his son is Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett. With the Jets now. Who is the current offensive coordinator for the Jets. And that's where Aaron Rodgers is going. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers used to play for a man by the name of Mike, Mike McCarthy. McCarthy. And Mike <laughs> McCarthy's assistant offensive coordinator is a kid by the name of Brian Schottenheimer, whose father is Marty Schottenheimer, the legend, the late, great Marty Schottenheimer, who hired Mike McCarthy to his first ever NFL job. I love this text from the uh, 6A2. Just found this out. At least one in seven NFL coaches in a supervisory role, non-entry level, is related to a current or former NFL coach According to the league's 2021 mm-hmm. football diversity and inclusion report obtained by the athletic 10 of the league's 32 head coaches are the son father or brother of a current or former wow. coach. That is so crazy. I mean, look, you just go around the league and just, you could rattle some off, yeah, off the top of your head. Hello, Kyle Shanahan. Yes. Kyle Shanahan, of course, son, son of, Mike, of Shanahan. Mike Shanahan. How about, well, I can't. Belichick's son is an assistant coach with him. Yeah, Steve Belichick is part of the defensive staff for the New England Patriots. I mean, you can go up and down plenty of teams, and you can just start to name, you know, coaches who are, you know, Former or sons or fathers or brothers of somebody. Yeah. So it's um It's crazy. It's It's nepotism. That you just not even good old boy. It's nepotism. Straight up and down. Kim folk. Yeah, there's plenty of connections there. I can't think of the more obvious uh, immediately obvious ones off the top of yeah. Off the top of my head. But you Um, know, let let me do this. I'm gonna just go ahead and look them up while you can teach. Talk a little bit, vamp. But yeah, you can uh, definitely just you can get an idea basically of what we're what we're talking about uh, as we continue here on the final call here on the get right. Shout out to the women of the NCAA tournament that's going to be taking place a little bit later on this week. Uh, Major League Baseball. And speaking of baseball, we're talking about of course opening day tomorrow for your Texas Rangers. Uh, how about this piece of news from uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN Super Insider covering Major League Baseball uh, today. Major League Baseball and the MLBPA's minor leaguers have agreed to the first ever CBA for minor league players. Uh-oh, they got a union. They got a union now. They uh, Baseball players already had the strongest union in all of sports, so it's amazing that the minor leagues just now got theirs. Uh, so good for them. Mm-hmm. The MLBPA's historic CBA for minor leaguers will increase pay by at least double across every level. Complex league will go from $4,800 to $19,800. Low A will go from $11,000 to $26,000. High A will go from $11,000 to $27,000. Double A, $13,800 to $30,000. And triple A will go from $17,500 to a little over $35,000. Okay. Well, good for those minor leagues able mm-hmm. to make a livable, or well, at least a little bit more of a livable wage, I guess. You know what? Um, I'm looking at these NFL coaches. I got all 32 of them now. 
And remember, it's not just father and son. It could be a son or a father or a brother. And the first name that shows up, remember, former coach or current coach, father, son of, father, son or brother. First name that came up is John Harbaugh. Yeah, John and Jim. Whose brother was a former NFL coach of the 49ers. Yeah. Sean McVay is another one. Yep, Sean McVay. That's right, because his daddy coached, didn't he? Uh GM. There's a GM, that's right. Okay, so there you go. Mike Vape, Vape, well, I um, believe it or not, um, even Ron Rivera's brother was a coach. Didn't know that. Yeah, in fact, North Turner wound up having his brother as one of his assistant coaches, the defensive coordinator. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. A little history lesson there. Not just you. coaching trees. <laughs> it's kinfolk all over the place. Appreciate it's, it's, it's almost British. I said it. Appreciate the hard work of my man, Justin Honore. For the three-time Hall of Famer, Chris Arnold, my That's name is Kevin Gray. This has been the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105. Through the fan. Reg will be back tomorrow from 7 to 11 alongside covering all things from the Rangers game. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Y'all be good.